0: Welcome to the Real Estate Terms Definitions from A to Z. This will be our first installment. It's going to be a multi-part series to help you walk, talk, and think like a pro. I know the colleges are getting ready to throw out your SAT and ACT scores, but when you're buying a home, understanding the vocabulary is essential. So we're going to do a big vocab for you, even though you're not doing SATs and ACTs. Because I have to tell you, when you're buying a home, your extracurriculars don't count for squat. So grab your number two pencils, get ready for vocab. It's time for first time home buying from A to Z. Hello, my how to buy a homies today. I'm doing vocabulary. So Professor David Sedoni with you with some classroom lessons to help you act like you know what you're doing when you're trying to buy a house. Look, I understand there's a lot and you don't need to know it all, but you do need to have a resource. You can listen to it today and then you can keep it for a reference. When someone asks you something or they say something to you that you don't understand and you know, you're just sitting there nodding knowingly like you comprehend what they're saying. Or if you actually You know, want to ask what's going on, and you say, Hey, it's my first time. That word, what does that mean? Before I make a decision worth hundreds of thousands of dollars that, you know, can seriously count on one hand how many times I've seen a check with even more than four digits. So this is kind of a big deal, and I need to figure it out. What does that word mean? Well, now you don't have to do that thanks to all these definitions. A lot of these definitions you might know, some of them you could Google to get the definition, but what's the fun in that? Besides, you know I'm going to go way deeper than the generic Webster's definition that you're going to find online. Today, you're going to get the real, real and figure out the what, what. These are the insider definitions. Plus, it's going to be a warning to you guys about the Internet research for the home buying education. What you find online is not only not the entire story. Remember, I've said that to you guys over and over again in previous episodes But I also want to tell you that most of the things that you find online is from lenders trying to sell you, doing my favorite thing, trying to capture you so they can get paid. They know that Realtors suck and they've done a putrid job in educating first-time homebuyers. So they see a huge opening and they go after it. They see that void. So they give you just a couple definitions and preparation tips to advise you to become a pre-qualified first-time homebuyer because they know you're searching for it and there are no realtors out there giving you the information. This is their hope that they can entrap you because you're looking for that information and then eventually you'll become their customer. That's the real deal. and I don't care if it sounds harsh and if I'm ragging on these people who are putting out educational information. They are, but I want you to understand who's really marketing to you and why. What's their real mission? Is it really to educate you for the best possible purchase for you? Or just to lure you in, since no realtors are stepping up and giving you this information. And so then they get you approved or they deny you because they just get your information and they give you no long term goals or strategies or planning to figure out what to do with that information to find out what's best for you. If you don't know my story, you can go back to the early episodes and hear that. But my How to Buy a Homies Know. Realtors miss the boat, and they royally suck at educating or caring about you the first-time homebuyer. I'm here to fill in the gaps, give you pure, straight education with no sales pitch, and I'm going to do it alphabetically. One of my big hacks that I have for all my how-to-buy-a-homies is to ignore the Internet. Now, I know I probably just broke some of your brains right now because you've been relying on the Internet your entire life, and you would think that I'm selling something to you or lying or trying to cover something up. Go back and listen to the Lister testimonial episodes of How to Buy a Home podcast, and you'll find out how this really works. This entire podcast is one big secret tip, and it's a proven technique. Find your realtor first, and then getting a realtor recommendation to help you find a mortgage pro, and then you go through the application process, and then you buy a house. This gives you a huge upper hand. You get a full team to work as your advocates. That's the secret sauce, friends. That's my special insider hack. So why the big monologue about all that? Because, again, I told you not to trust the Internet on this one, because if you do, you're going to research it on your own. You're going to find some good information and you're going to find lots of people out there selling you. So know the motivation behind the source. And the other thing is, I did this all for you. I went out and I looked at everybody's A to Z list of definitions online on the Internet. When I Googled it, I saw lots of top sites, and their goal wasn't to educate you, to give you the definitions. Their goal was to pre-qualify you so they could turn you into a paycheck. It's their little way of getting their thing by giving you just a little bit. So here it is, the how to buy a home from A to Z, from me, defined and interpreted, but interpreted with you, you in mind. This has been painstakingly translated into layman's terms because the Boring definitions online I couldn't even handle. So I stuck into regular people talk, interpreted for you and your specific needs. What do all these terms mean to you, the first-time homebuyer? We're going to start with a letter A. Psych. numbers come before letters alphabetically. We're actually going to start with numbers. The first definition is the 203B. What the hell is that? It sounds like something from a tax code. 203B is the number designation given for an FHA loan. So it's a number you might hear If you are using an FHA loan, they're government regulated loans used to finance and purchase new or existing one to four. You hear that? You can buy a duplex, a triplex or a fourplex, also known as a quadplex, also known as a fantastic four. I made that last one up. No one calls them that. And a lot of times these two or three B loans are characterized by low down payments, flexible qualifying guidelines and a limit on the maximum loan amounts. A lot of times, an FHA loan, which is technically these 203B loans, most people are just going to call them an FHA loan. And a lot of times they get confused with a first time buyer loan. So let's start the definitions off with the real estate scoop on first time buyer loans. In reality, most lenders are not offering a special deal just for first time home buyers. Who have I crushed? Everybody calls me and says, I need, I'm a first-time buyer. I get that special loan, right? Nope, you just get an FHA loan that anybody else can use too. Now, there are some very specific loans that are for first-time home buyers and specific loan programs, but don't expect some crazy discount. This is just a loan option. It's a loan program to help you, and everybody uses different loan programs. First-time buyer, second-time buyer, 12th-time buyer. A lot of these first-time loan programs that first-time buyers end up using, a lot of times they're helpful if your credit challenge, you had a bankruptcy, a short sale, or a foreclosure in your past, or you just want to explore a non-20% down payment. That's the reason why so many people are, are talking about these loans, and they call them first-time buyer loans. Now, depending on you and your numbers and the current market conditions, you might qualify for what is just a regular conventional loan. Conventional, oh, I'm jumping ahead. That's from the C's. But conventional loan is just a standard loan. Regular old loan with a down payment. But it's not just a 20% down payment. You can get a conventional loan with the same rate as the FHA loans. So then why all the hype? that you hear about FHA loans. Why are you hearing about that all the time? Well, it's because it does help people with imperfect credit who are having trouble saving up the full 20%. Now, here's the thing about it, though. If you're going to be getting, if you're credit challenged and you don't have to put down 20%, of course, there's going to be a trade-off. You're going to have higher rates, higher fees, but the boots on the ground, real information, the real, real on FHA loans, they're here to help you. If you can't save 20%, they're going to cost you a little more money. But in the long run, I've seen that it's going to cost you way less rent than you would pay. Not to mention the potential appreciation that you could miss out on than trying to save up for a conventional loan. So don't be afraid of an FHA loan. It's like buying a car. You can wait to save up for a 20%, 30%, 40% down payment on a car, or you can buy it today with a low down payment. An FHA loans only three and a half percent down. But in that metaphor that I did about the car, think of it this way. You have to pay a car payment anyway. So are you going to pay a little bit extra for the privilege of being able to use a low down payment, not having to save up for a fatty, huge down payment? Because in this metaphor right now, you have to pay anyway. Plus, that car is going to appreciate in value every day that you don't buy it. So sometimes looking at these options that do cost a little bit more are better for you in the long run because it means you can get in, own that thing, and start making appreciation on it. That was good. Do you like that? That was good talking, David. Own that thing. Make a t-shirt, everybody. Now, for some of you, and in fact, for many, many of the hundreds of first-time home buyers that I've worked with in the hottest markets and also in the best buyer's markets, And when that happens, because real estate sucks and all they care about is the sellers, they're going to call that the coldest market, which is really funny. But in the hottest markets or the coldest markets, I had a ton of buyers that an FHA loan was the best fit for them. Some of them used three and a half percent down. Some of them used an FHA loan to put five, 10, 20 or even 50 percent down. It is simply a loan product. A 203B loan is an FHA loan. It's a loan product. You can determine if it's right for you when you get your unicorn team and you start working your plan. Woo! What are we, 10, 12 minutes in and I'm not even really to the age yet? Well, we're still not going. I got one more number for you. This is one a lot of first-time buyers asking asking about. It's called a 203K loan. I have a ton of homies that asked me about this one. In fact, I just got a DM about this the other day. This is a form of a down payment assistance program, which I get asked about quite often, all kinds of down payment assistance. This is a two or three K loan. And this down payment assistance, it's often called a fixer upper loan. This combines the mortgage loan with more of a loan on top of that to help pay for structural repairs or updates, thus fixer upper. You can't use it to put in luxury cosmetics or a swimming pool or anything, but you can look at a shabby home and maybe use this kind of loan to fix it up. All right. Truth bomb. Yes, they exist. They're out there, but I'm going to crush your dreams. You're going to hear a lot of people marketing you about this. And many experienced realtors think buyers who ask about this are too much work, so you're not going to hear it from them. Currently in 2022, there are a ton of brand new agents, newbies just getting into the game, and they're flooding social media with all the information about programs for down payment assistance. They're looking to get people excited because the market's hard. So you might have heard about these 203K loans and thought this would be a great way to afford a fixer upper without having to have the cash on hand for all the rehab and the reconstruction. So it sounds awesome, right? Yeah, again, right off the bat, gonna crush your dreams one more time. The real story behind all the down payment assistance program grants, the government assistance and any purchase that requires somebody else to pay for your down payment or a part of your down payment or an extra loan. These are a million to one shot in the 2022 market. Wish I had better news, but that's the truth. That doesn't mean if you need one of these that you should shut the podcast off. Things change all the time. In fact, if you do need one of these down payment assistance programs and that's what you need to buy a home, you should be digging into the podcast even more than the other people because you need to get started on a financial plan for yourself. In fact, you should be sick of my voice by now. The plan that you're doing right now is way more important than the final execution. Let me say that again. The plan is more crucial than the final execution. The right plan gives you options. A 403k loan is an option. It's just not a viable option in 2022. It means you don't have enough extra money to show the seller that you can compete. But there are even bigger sticking points than that. So you have to get three contractors to bid on the repairs for the home. And then you have to get the FHA lenders to agree on the bids. And then you have to get an appraisal that valuates the home at the new cost. That's the purchase price plus the bid repair that they've accepted. And that takes a lot of time. At the very minimum, this is going to take 45 days, but it's likely going to be 60 days or longer for you to close on the home. Now, you're going to be competing against 30-day closes, or if it's me or a bitching unicorn out there who's working with a bitching unicorn lender, maybe 15 or 20 days, because giving the seller what they want is the only way to get a home in 2022. And the seller wants the money, and they get the money when the home closes. So short contracts are far more enticing. When the market changes, we'll discuss two or three Bs again. But for now, know that this type of loan puts you at the bottom of the pile in a hyper-competitive market. Told you, real, real. Nothing but love for you. There's a billion more numbers, but I'm not going to deal with any of them right now. Those are the big ones for first-time buyers. Let's go to the A's, my first day. An absentee owner. Now, I'm going alphabetical order, but this is a perfect one to start for all you guys because you know what an absentee owner is? It's your landlord. <laughs> Horrible news flash. You may not be buying your dream home, your lovely little place with the picket fence, from a family who wants to sell the home to you. You could be buying a home that is currently a rental, and you could be buying from a landlord the person that you're trying to flee The definition of an absentee owner is anybody who owns a home but is absent from living there. Anybody who legally owns a particular property without actually occupying it, that's an absentee owner. Now, why do you care about that? Because if you're buying a home with an absentee owner, the seller disclosures where the seller tells you everything they know about the house, they're going to be blank. And if you buy from an absentee, you can't ask all those little questions about the funky light switch that doesn't do anything. Or you can't ask them about, hey, how cool is this neighborhood or how festive are they during the holiday time? Do they get into it? You've got no one to ask because you don't talk to the renters and the owner is absentee. The next A is called an adjustable rate mortgage. This is also known as an arm. And if you're not careful, it might cost you an arm and a leg down the line. Hoo, dad joke. Yeah, an ARM is a type of loan with an interest rate that varies depending on how the market rates move. When you sign up for an ARM, an adjustable rate mortgage, you first get a short period of fixed interest, but it's going to be lower than the traditional 30-year fixed loan. Eventually, it's going to end because that's an introductory period of the loan that can last for up to 10 years. But when that introductory period expires, your interest rate is going to follow market interest rates, based on the rate index that the arm is tied to. So you're gonna have a base, and then it's gonna be tied to these things called the LIBOR, the COFI, blah, blah, fancy financial terms, and here's what it means. This is not fixed. Now, they do have caps in place, so it go nuts, but it can still jump in the thousands of dollars per month for your payment, and are they evil? Well, only if you don't know what you're doing. Most people actually currently, especially since the market crash in 2008, 9, 10, they're all going fixed. It can be a good option for you if you understand and know everything about it before you are going to even think about using this. And the reason for that is some people figure out that they want to use the lower rate before the monthly adjustment. And that's assuming that you're well aware of the value of the home and the where the home values are going to go and is it going to go up or down. But for most of you, an adjustable rate mortgage, unless you really understand it, something to avoid. The next day is an agent. Now, weird. Why would I explain what an agent is? It's a real estate agent, right? Well, this is the big one because I'm going to do some simple definition breakdowns for you because the entire real estate agent thing and a broker and all that, it's confusing, and it's just yet another reason why I want to start the revolution and change this whole damn industry. Here's what we got. You've got licensees, you have real estate agents, then you have realtors, and then you have brokers, and then you have real estate brokerages, which is the company. So the licensees, those are the people that have a real estate license that are not affiliated with the National Association of Realtors. Believe it or not, this the licensees, they're considered to be an agent, But there are like a million and a half of those. And then there are a million and a half that are agents that are realtors because they pay their dues and are part of the Realtor National Association of Realtors Union. So the licensees, they're either part timers or lawyers or investors who got a license or they're too cheap to pay their union dues. And they don't want to deal with having to be held to the higher standards that the realtor designation denotes. Some of them call themselves the agents, you know, and technically they are and they can act as an agent for you to buy or sell a home. Now, most full time agents are going to be introduced themselves as a real estate agent or some of them might say they're a realtor. And that's the one and a half million people who are agents and they work with a broker. So the broker, that's the company name that they work for that you're probably all aware of, like REMAX. Keller Williams, EXP, Compass, Coldwell Banker, Century 21, the majority of good full-time agents are going to work for one of those companies. Now, you're not hiring the company, you're hiring the agent. There are some really great agents that are brokers themselves, but even some of them who are brokers themselves, they might still work under another brokerage or one of those big companies. See, are you confused yet? Here's what you need to know about who am I working with? An agent, a broker, a licensee. In my humble opinion, when it comes to buyers, the agent or the realtor, they matter like a billion times more than the company that they work for. We're all independent contractors. And now with the Internet ruling the buying process, there ain't nothing that a brokerage or a real estate company or, you know, that they're going to do anything extra that a bitch an agent won't do no matter who they work for. So the real estate agent, the realtor is an independent contractor and simply hangs their license to work for one of those big broker companies. That's what I'm talking about, like Remax or Cobalt Banker or EXP. So don't stress about the name of the company. You just wanna find a good realtor or real estate agent that has a great reputation. I've been doing the 16 years. I've been with three different brokers to change for the needs for what I wanted to do. And the only thing that matters to my clients, as well as to the other realtors that I'm going to be working with when I'm representing my clients, the only thing that matters to them is not the company that I work for. It's my individual experience and reputation. Your agents, independent, even if they work for a broker, one of those companies. In the scheme of things, If your agent or realtor has a great track record, that's going to be way more important than if they work for the biggest real estate brokerage or company in town. Lots of them can work for a tiny brokerage, or they can run a small boutique mom and pop brokerage. Or your agent could be a top producer at a top brokerage, or it could be a well-trained buyer specialist who works with one of those top producing agents. And when they work with the buyers, just remember, they're independent from The broker and the company and what they're bringing is their particular set of skills and experience to you not the company going to the next a it's amenities amenities are the extra little things in a home that benefit the buyer or just something cool about the home that you may or may not even care about everything from location to nature to air conditioner or any other physical attributes on the home the next day is amortization Big fancy finance word. Amortization means paying off a loan with regular payments over time. So the amount that you owe decreases with each payment. Now, most home loans amortize, mortgage loans don't fully amortize, but for now, you're probably going to be looking at a fully amortizing loan unless you're really, really well versed in all these aspects of lending. It's the process of how the payments are spread out over time, right? So you got a monthly payment. When you make a monthly payment in your mortgage, some of it goes towards your interest and some of it goes towards your principal. In the beginning year alone, your principal is high, but most of your payment actually goes towards the interest. That's because the bank's trying to get all their money up front. But however, if you chip away at your principal over time, you're going to pay less and less in the interest. Truth bomb coming. For some of you, it's going to shock you to know that when you finance anything, if you're paying anything with an interest rate on it, you're going to pay a buttload more than the sticker price the longer that you finance it. I know you didn't know this. Here's a fun fact. For a $400,000 home and a 5% interest rate, if you pay regular monthly payments on time, every month for 30 years, $400,000 home will cost you a grand total of $373,000 in interest for a grand total of $733,023.14. That $400,000 home cost you $733,000. If you freaked out on that, then I don't even want to tell you how much you're actually paying for your car loan that you've had for five years. (laughs) Crushing dreams and having fun. Look, I want you to be informed and educated. This doesn't scare me because debt's not a terrible thing, contrary to what Dave Ramsey says. And as long as you understand it. Things have changed. You need to get educated. You need to realize there are so many forces out there working against you with high rents, inflation, a 10 year booming housing and stock market. Sounds like something we should be excited about, except it's in a rear view mirror. The economy's changing and it's gonna change more. And you're getting forced into going into debt, but it's you can manage it into good debt. That's the only way that you're gonna be able to live that perfect life balance that you're seeking since you're gonna pay rent anyway. Our next A is the amount financed. It means the amount of money you're borrowing from your lender minus the upfront fees that the lender is charging you. This is the size of your loan, and it should terrify you and excite you all at the same time. The next one is annual income. This is what annual income is. It's like that dude in the gym, who goes up to you and says, how much you bench? It's like that, except money terms. How much you make? How much you make a year? It's the money that you receive over the course of the year, pre-tax, whether it's from wages, salary, from a part-time job, a full-time job, whether it's from self-employment, from tips, commissions, overtime, bonuses, or a number of other sources. Your annual income actually can include other things like child support, rental payments, investments. For most of us, our annual income is pretty easy. It's how much do you make a year. For all thing home loans, remember this. Forget the gross number. Forget what that big annual number is when you add everything up because the only number that counts is when you add that up and divide it by 12. That's the biggest thing you need to learn. So if you can't divide things by 12, learn fast. A lender's going to use this information about your annual income, but then they're going to put it in monthly numbers to determine your existing monthly debts against that And then they're going to figure out if you have the ability to repay the loan. That means you need to be able to show this income source will continue. That's a big one, gang. Did you hear that? It's got to be able to continue either through a contract from your company saying that you've got a job or a W-2 history, or if you're an independent contractor, you own your own business. Most of the time it's through your tax returns. The rule of thumb is that you need two years of tax returns or two years on the job showing consistent, steady payment because they're figuring out, can you repay this loan moving forward? There are definitely some exceptions. So if you've got a funky work history and you still want to see if you qualify for a loan, take one guess at what I'm going to recommend. Stop Googling this and get a pro to get you a plan. Next up, our next A. It's the annual percentage rate, a.k.a. APR. I'm talking about the term called the annual percentage rate, and it's also known by the acronym APR, annual percentage rate. Not to be confused with an anachronism, which is historically inaccurate something. It's a thing belonging or appropriate to another period than the one that it exists. If you see something out of place in a movie, like if all the teenagers in Greece had iPhones, that's an anachronism. Or you could get real meta about it and say that the actual kids from Greece or Glee or a million other teenage movies and TV shows who are 30 years old playing 16. That's an anachronism in itself. That's what I think. In fact, that's why the most accurate depiction of teenage life in America of all time is Saved by the Bell. When the show started, Screech was 12 and the rest were 15. Mic drop. So if Screech, aka Dustin Diamond, had understood APR, perhaps he could have purchased real estate with his TV money when he was 13 or 14 years old. Would have been a nice, safe investment from him and would have shielded him from having to do celebrity boxing and some really bad porno when he was in his 30s. APR is simple. It is the cost of a loan or other financing as one big annual rate. It's not your interest rate, but it's The APR is adding everything altogether included. It's calculated by using a standard formula to show the total cost of the loan. It's expressed in a different higher rate than your interest rate. It's the true overall cost of the loan. It includes your interest, your mortgage insurance, and other fees and charges that you have to pay associated with the loan. Side note, if you want to get advanced and get all fancy pants, The APR will also include your buy-down points if you're going to use that technique when you're getting your loan. The next day is an application. Now, let me quote The Mandalorian. By the way, the actor who plays The Mandalorian, Jose Pedro Balmasada Pascal, he's an Orange County High School of the Arts graduate, 1993. What's up? Thank you very much. I knew him as Peter Balmasada back then, and he was a musical theater-loving kid. I love that he made a name for himself with his Chilean heritage. Rock on, Pedro. Now, if you're new to the show, please forgive me for all things holy and or Star Wars related, which is kind of the same thing to me. But the first step in buying a home is apply this A, period, game over, the end. You can, you should, and I'm telling you, do it. Apply for a loan even a year out from when you intend to buy a home. The longer that you have this information, The longer you know what you need to know, the longer you have to work on it, the longer you can fix, improve, and do things with your credit and your debt and have more options. Get ahead of the game. Mando would approve. And don't even try telling me that you're working on your credit and you don't want to do an application because you don't want the ding on your credit. I've gone into details on this in several episodes. And don't tell me you don't want the ding on your credit. I can tell you this I have never, ever seen an early hard credit pull ever. I've never seen it hurt someone so they couldn't get the best rate or term. And I've never seen it stop someone from getting a loan approval later on down the line. But I have seen a late hard credit pull. I've seen multiple times where a buyer is just either ignorant, which is not a dirty word. It just means someone who doesn't know the facts. I have seen uninformed people dead set on not pulling their credit and doing a full application until they're quote-unquote ready to buy, I have seen it cost them dearly because they didn't know exactly everything that was in their credit until it was too late to correct it because they waited to the last minute. I've seen people miss the best rates or terms by a matter of one or two points, which could have easily been corrected if they'd done a full application and worked a plan well ahead of time. And don't even start If you're going to try and tell me the fact that you're going to wait until you're 90 days out because you've done the research, not to flex, but I guarantee you I've gone through this with actual first-time home buyers thousands of times more than you have and the one little piece of research that you did. And I'm telling you this out of love. I see more people regret that decision. They want to beat the system and wait for 90 days because that's how long their loan approval is. But I'm telling you, I've seen it hurt people way more, and I've never seen it hurt anybody. What does the guy on Sports Center say? Our research is better than yours. Again, not flexing, but I'm sure that I have more data. It's just because this is what I do. And I've seen real people who thought like you. They thought they understood all of the way it worked. They thought they figured out all the ramifications of doing a credit poll. But often what they fail to realize, if you're so on top of your credit, and you know what's going on, you know that the one thing you need to fix credit is time. And the more time that you have to fix it, the better. So why not pull your credit four months, six months, 12 months out? Hey, look, you're so on top of your credit. Just do it six months before you're going to buy a house and you'll be able to watch it go. And if anything major does happen, you're going to see it. You're going to have the time to correct anything. You'll have the time to make up for that tiny little ding. And remember, it's not going to hurt you if your credit score is over 760. 785 and 795 and 810 are the same loan products. And yes, I've seen people miss out on their dream home because they just knew they had all their ducks in a row and they decided to do it all on their own and not apply early fully with a lender. They just had a pre-qualification, not a pre-approval, which is different. And that pre-approval includes a credit pull. And then when it's go time, some little extremely avoidable item with which they had time to fix, it forces them to lose the home and they have to start over. So apply. This is the way. Application fee. The fee that a mortgage lender or a broker charges you to apply for a mortgage to cover your processing costs. Your loan's going to have a fee. It's called an origination fee. So when you're shopping for loans, you're going to be shopping not only the rates and the terms, you're also going to be shopping the origination fee. Most of them should be pretty much the same. But most importantly, when you're shopping that application fee, you really should shopping service, service of your lender. That's an S. I jumped ahead. Let's get back to A's. Appreciation, the increase in value of your home over time. That's the value of your home going up from the purchase price from the housing market improving or from your own renovations. Get all diy on it. Okay, the next A word is appraisal. In 2022, woo, is a big buzzword. So if you're brand new or this is 2028 and you're wearing a future suit right now, let me explain to you what an appraisal is. Simply put, it is a rough estimate of how much your home is worth based on comparable recently sold homes versus the home that you're looking to put an offer on or the home that you are under contract with. Mortgage lenders require that you get an appraisal before you sign and finish a home loan. It's done by an independent third party, and it's that one dude or one lady's opinion, and it's pretty much as subjective as beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Welcome to the unfair world of real estate, crushing dreams and having fun. Necessary evils because the appraisal assures a lender that they aren't loaning more money than what the home is worth. In case you decide to jump off your roof, at your housewarming party and you miss the pool and you die. See, now you're dead and the bank owns the house. And what if the bank said, yeah, go ahead and buy it. You know, we'll give you a loan for 450 and the home's really only worth 400. And now you're a disgusting pile of bones and flesh on the patio. Well, not only does the bank have to clean up your gross, disgusting mess that you made, But in order for them to recoup their money, they're gonna put the house on the market, and now they've got a mortgage at 450, but the home's only worth 400. The appraisal's purchase is the lender making sure they don't overloan on a property. Like I said, this is a hot topic at 22, so let me give you a few more definitions so you fully comprehend what an appraisal is. An appraisal is an informed estimate of a home's value generally done by an independent, professionally licensed appraiser, and typically required and ordered by the lender in conjunction with the mortgage application you see that last definition is why i decided to do this a to z because you're going to hear me say that that in conjunction with the mortgage application and you're going to think that that means that you get an appraisal when you apply for the loan before you go out shopping but that's not right some of these definitions don't make a lot of sense they're going to tell you that at your mortgage application you're also going to do the appraisal that's not right It's because mortgage application, it's kind of like the word aloha. If you ever go to Hawaii, they say aloha for everything. One word has 37 different definitions. You do have a mortgage application and an approval, but then you'll suddenly be under contract and you're going to hear everybody in the real estate transaction talking about how they're waiting for your application for approval. Wait, what? You got told you have an application and approval, and now you can go out and buy homes. And then when you're under contract, they say, you, yeah, aloha, gang. There's a pre-offer application and pre-approval, and then there's an under-contract application of the loan that now has a subject property and now a new approval process. And that part of that process is the appraisal scrambling brains and having fun, <laughs> Just so you know, I'm doing all this work so you don't have to. Here's two more appraisal definitions. An appraisal is required to gather the estimated value of a piece of real estate. You know what? I can't even do it. There were two more to read. Forget it. You know what an appraisal is. And if you don't go to howtobuyahome.com and just ask me. Moving on. An appraisal contingency. An appraisal contingency is a clause that allows the buyer to dissolve a purchase agreement if the home's appraised value is less than... Than the sales price technically and contractually is what i meant to say in most states you have a due diligence condition or a contingency period you've got that time frame that buyer beware period sometimes due diligence condition or contingency it's the time for you to be able to do your inspections to read the seller's disclosures the hoa disclosures and to get an appraisal before you commit yourself all into the deal and most of the time if you find something you don't like During that condition contingency period, that's when you renegotiate with the seller as long as you're still within the timelines of your contract. And if that doesn't go well, then you can break or dissolve or bail on the contract, and then you get your earnest money back. So if the appraisal condition or contingency is in place and you get a low appraisal before you have removed your contingency or your condition, That means usually you're going to have three options at that time. The seller is going to demand you pay the extra money. That's extra cash on top of everything else you've agreed to since you agreed on that price. The seller will accept the appraised value and lower the price to the appraised value or the seller and buyer work out some deal in the middle. Now, I could go on for hours about the appraisal contingency and it affects on the different markets for buyers or sellers But I was supposed to do definitions A to Z, and I'm not even to B yet. (laughs) So hopefully you can go back and listen to that. It'll make sense to you. Next A is an appraiser. Guess who that is? That's the dude or dudette that does the appraisal. The appraisal fee. That's the cost of the home appraisal. Why am I throwing this in? Because this is one of two out-of-pocket expenses in most real estate transactions. You're going to pay for the inspection and you're going to pay for the appraisal that is not included in your earnest money, your down payment or your closing costs. Extra fee. The next A word is arbitration. This is a fancy word for keep the damn lawyers out of it. Many contracts give all the parties the option to resolve disputes this way through arbitration. You can refer them to a fair and neutral third party. That's the arbitrator. I'm the arbiter. I know the score. 1980s musical called Chess. You have to forgive me. How boring is all the crap that I'm telling you right now? I uh, know you have to give that to me. So an arbiter. Oh, by the way, when I saw it, Carmine Ragusa was the arbiter when I saw Chess in Long Beach. And if you don't know who Carmine Ragusa is, once again, I'm 52. That's why you're listening to me, because a 22-year-old hasn't sold thousands of homes. They've sold one. The disputing parties agree in advance to agree with the decision of the arbiter. There is a hearing where both parties have an opportunity to be heard, after which the arbiter makes a decision. There. There. That was supposed to clear things up for you. But if you come back to this later on and look up Arbiter, either on the website or listen to that, you're going to be more confused. The next A word is assets. Insert your Jessica Rabbit joke here. An asset is anything that you own that has a cash value. That's your checking and savings account, your 401k accounts, your IRAs, your CDs, your stocks, your bonds, your mutual funds. And hell, who knows? By the time you hear this, maybe crypto is going to be considered an asset. But in 2022, check with your lender. It's not quite there yet. They want to verify your assets to ensure that you have enough money in savings and investments to cover your mortgage in case you run in a financial emergency. So if you do run into a financial emergency, the bank is checking your assets. So, yeah, I said that someone's checking your assets. As is, this is a buzzword in 2022. It can seem savage, but a seller can sell their home however they want to. And you should absolutely, as a buyer, not expect any sort of repairs. Now, this is even when we get to a cool market or a buyer's market. I have to explain this to people all the time. You never know the situation of the seller. And what buyers don't realize is most contracts in most states, it's an as-is contract. And you don't have any rights. You just have standard practices that happen. So you have the right to inspect it and then walk away if you don't like it. Now, in a slower market, the sellers are going to be more apt to possibly negotiate, do some repairs for you or give you a credit. But keep in mind, nothing is anything they have to do. The seller is under no obligation to do repairs. And anything that is a state mandate in California, we have a small state mandate. They have to install smoke detectors, carbon monoxide detectors. And because we have earthquakes here, they have to strap the water heater down. (laughs) But that's it. A buyer can choose to buy a home that the seller is willing to sell without anything being up to code. That's the way sales work. Home sales are as is. And it's up to the buyer and the seller to come to an agreement And depending on the market, the seller might be more flexible and actually do things for you. But don't think things have to be up to code or how you have some legal rights when you're purchasing a home. That's totally up to the seller. An assessment, an assessment is a value assigned to real property, your house and your land. Now, why do you need to know about an assessment? Because that's what they use to pay your taxes. So when you see the word assessment, just know that's how they figure out your property tax. What's an assessor? I'm seriously, I'm not going to do that. It's the dude who figures out your taxes. An assumable loan, an assumable loan is something that you're going to hear about. And it's an old school thing. And we don't see them too often anymore. If you're getting into one of these, basically, you have to have a mortgage pro or a unicorn realtor, or someone in the area who does them. It's it means that you assume the loan of the seller so they don't sell the house. You buy the house and you buy the loan for them. They're really tricky. They don't happen a lot. So don't think that it happens everywhere and know what's going on in your area. The next A is asbestos. And legally, I'm not going to say a damn thing about that because I don't want to get in trouble, but Google it, kids. Okay, moving on the A's, let's see what else we got. We've got assessed values. Well, that's the value that they put on the home when they assess it for your taxes. We've got assignment of a mortgage. That's a document evidencing the transfer of ownership of the mortgage from one person to another. So that's something else that could happen. Okay, considering that the A definitions took me, what, like 45 minutes, it looks like I'm going to be doing these alphabet episodes way into 2024. But hey, that's the job I made for myself, right? Right? Nobody said starting a revolution was going to be a quick endeavor. You deserve better and you deserve clarity and comprehension. So I'm doing this as kind of a resource for you. If you're enjoying the fact that you can come here and figure all this stuff out and get the real answers and not just the Google answers, and you liking your new knowledge and your empowerment that you're getting in your ear holes or your eye holes. Well, I guess your eye holes and your ear holes if you're watching me on YouTube, unless you're watching me on mute, which is really weird. And if you are and you're enjoying all this stuff, write a comment, leave a podcast review or share this stuff with others. People like you are dying for this information. They need to realize that they can do it too. And it's not impossible. And this shouldn't be intimidating. So the reviews and the comments, they help spread the word. So please, please take monumental action for yourself with everything that you get from the podcast and the YouTube. And then just take a minuscule action for me and leave a comment or a review or go to TikTok at How to Buy a Home. Or go to the YouTube at How to Buy a Home podcast or the Instagram, which is David Sedoni. That's me. Review and share, gang. More information coming your way. We're going to be getting more into letters later. And speaking of letters, remember the three Ps of 2022 housing market, patience, persistence, and perseverance. And a shout out to Tenley, who reached out to me for help at howtobuyahome.com. And I told her about the three Ps, and she added three more, pizza, pandas, and pride. I love that. You do you, Tenley. You use your three P's and then you find your own P's and I'll bring you more letters coming soon because you know what? You can do this.